You're listening to ICU. If you're a fucker, you know it. Clap your hands. So we have attempted to record several different podcasts and technology or aliens or whomever is listening and does not want the information to get out. It was pretty fucking good. And I do have the raw, unbaked dough of that podcast, but it was specifically for the December holidays. So we might go back and edit it and release it as a cop-out next holiday season. I love that idea. So I guess... Everyone knows what's going on in the world on the front stage of life, you know, insurrection, uh, you know, the orcs have left their caves and they're now hanging from Congress and it's people who have no job right now, no purpose, they're angry, but they're not even sure why they're angry. They don't even know what they're doing. Here's the thing though, like that can describe me on certain days. I am out of work. I'm angry all the time. I don't know what I'm doing. And yet somehow I don't storm the Capitol. Or wear Nazi shirts. Yeah, my shirt is from Rainy State Threads. And it says, take a hike. And I would love to take a hike in that hood. Right? It's got Waist and a nice, beautiful Doug fur on it. We need to go back, like right now. I know. I'm dying. It's really, really, uh, like, I, I've been trying so hard to, like, keep it tamped down so the people around me aren't affected by it, but I am fucking dying. I don't know how to exist, and I need to refresh my soul because, quite frankly, I feel dead. Dead inside? Yeah. I had, I don't know if you'd call it a meltdown, but uh, something happened and I was unable to keep my unpleasant feelings in the box that I normally keep them in. They started leaking out. I tried really fucking hard not to do that. It's important to leak it out. You can't keep it in. That's how I really do believe that you store trauma in your body and you store all those things. I think that's why you have migraines. I know we haven't always touched on that, but we both agreed. So interestingly, and this makes me super fucking sad, I have been having migraines all the time and it's partially because I'm miserable and it's partially because of the weather. And also one part of it, there was a study done and the study was about treating migraines with green light. And I was talking to someone about this and it's so fucking obvious to anyone who lives in the real world that obviously green light is not the solution because you're not going to have, well, you're going to put some sort of piece of technology on your face that, that filters out all light except green light. And that's going to help you go into the forest. There's tons of green light. There's green all around you. And when I am in the forest, I don't have migraines. I am not experiencing the myriad of, of symptoms that go along with my migraines. And I really get frustrated with people. And I try not to because migraines aren't headaches. Yes, head pain is a part of it. It's excruciating. There's also nausea, dizziness. I can't control my body temperature. I'm yawning a lot. I get super forgetful. I walk into a room and I completely forget like everything. I'm not talking about why I walked into the room. I forget where I'm at. Who am I? Like, what am I doing here for a hot second? I mean, migraines aren't headaches. Migraines are closely related to strokes and epilepsy. It's not just like, oh, my head hurts. I need to lay down. It's like, I feel like I'm dying and I need to compress myself somewhere and scream, cry, vomit, anything to get this out of me. Yeah. To me, it's like, it's a neurological issue. And, And what I don't know what, 
and nobody really knows what causes it. Like there's some ideas and you know way more about this, but I've done research because of you, because I'm like fascinated. Like, does this come, is it hereditary? Is it because I gave you up for adoption? Are there? Yeah. I never thought about that if it was trauma related, but I don't think so because they didn't start happening to me until I was about 18. And the one thing I've noticed with my migraines is that they are extremely sensitive to estrogen. I cannot take any form of estrogen and that includes soy. Soy is a phytoestrogen and that will fuck me up real hard. I have also noticed that irregular weather patterns, changes in barometric pressure will fuck me up for days. And that's what my problem has been for the past, I don't know, a couple of weeks, couple of months, who can tell anymore, is that uh, it'll get hot and cold and hot and cold and have these big swings in temperature and my head can't keep up. Well, the estrogen thing I know really screws with our... Um... And I think it does everybody's just people don't talk about it enough is um, any form of birth control I couldn't take when I was younger. I, I tried everything. I've done every form of birth control you can imagine. And it all caused horrific side effects. And for Sierra, it's also done the same thing where she does so much better without it. And I, I don't know why, like you had told me there were birth controls where they can actually like insert it into the male penis, I think for up yeah. to 10 years. So I think it's called Vasagel. And it's basically like a reversible vasectomy you uh, have this solution that they inject into the vas deferens that forms a block much like a vasectomy would and it just hangs out in there for i think 10 years or if you want to get rid of it sooner than that they have like a little solution that they could just shoot in there and it flushes right out it's so awesome. there's no side effects why are we other than like some ball pain for maybe a couple of days. Big fucking deal. Right. And it's ridiculous because I do think that men should be empowered to control their fertility as well. Yeah. A lot of men have had children that they weren't prepared to have. I mean, it's not uncommon knowledge that sometimes women will sabotage their birth control, but it's actually more common for men to sabotage women's birth control. Interesting. It's a type of reproductive coercion. It, it's kind of rape. Yeah. Because you've consented to a type of sex that includes protection. Stealthing is rape. I've seen it happen in real life both ways. And people have made jokes, which I'm like, you shouldn't make jokes because bringing a child into this world is not a joke. And anyone that, especially with my circumstances, had to give a child up for adoption, it's, it's a big deal to have a kid. And forcing someone of either sex to do that before they're prepared to take care of that child only causes problems for the children. I mean, for everyone involved, but especially the child. Like, the innocent bystander here is the child. Yeah, and you always hear people who are like, think of the children! But no, really, think of the children. Think about their lives. You want them to have the best life possible. You don't want to bring them into an unhealthy relationship or a bad circumstance. You don't want to surprise your spouse with a kid. Yeah. Unless you're both really excited and have talked about it. And it's just. Yeah. Like those surprises could be great if you're both prepared and that's what you want. And it just happened a little bit earlier than you anticipated, but you're ready to take it on. Great. But for those that, you know, one of the partners was like, no, I don't want to have children. And that was sabotage for them. That's good luck. 
basically. You have just created a child with someone who doesn't want to be a parent who is going to be resentful towards you and that child. The child is completely innocent in this situation. And they don't think about how that's going to impact a living being right. who has to grow up and become a productive member of society. You just think babies are cute. Okay, babies don't say babies. Right. They become toddlers. They become little adolescents, they become adults, they become people, they become the asshole who cuts you off in traffic, they become senator who passes some heinous legislation, or they could become someone really awesome. And that's not entirely in your control, but you want to give them the best foot forward so that you don't release a little monster into the world. There's plenty right now out there. There really are. And I often think about the people who are doing really dumb shit, like storming the Capitol. And I think, who raised you? <laughs> Honestly. And there's some hilarious tag groups on social media. And one of them is, imagine announcing to the world that you weren't raised right. <laughs> and that's what I think about. I'm like, wow, look at you. Embarrassing your entire lineage. Yeah, but so proud about it. Maybe your entire lineage is there with you. It's mom, pa, granddaughter. I really don't think it is. I, I feel like these weird conspiracy theories, if if their you know, grandparents were alive, they'd be real embarrassed by this because you sound like a tinfoil hat wearing nut job. There's a lot of that on both sides right now, though. I feel like information, like, and I keep going back to this because my sister and I, I came from a journalist background and my sister did too and we love real journalism where they have to cite real sources this is not a meme but people don't read anymore they're not going to pick up the new york times or the washington post or the christian science monitor or a real news source they're getting their information from memes and terrorist groups basically these these weird cult groups like the Quran or whatever that's called you know where there's just it's just some tinfoil wearing, wearing weirdo that's come up with their own idea about what's going to happen in the world. And it doesn't even involve any reality. I subscribe to uh, the Willamette Week, and this is where I get my, my journalism from. Local papers are great. Local papers are the ones that catch pedophiles. Local papers are really, really good at catching pedophiles. They're the ones about Epstein. Yes. they. It was, I think, somewhere in Florida, someone broke that news. And it's never the big, the New York Times, the Washington Post. It's never the big newspapers that get it first. It's always a local journalist who does way more work than anyone ever gives them credit for, than they're paid for, that they get these really awesome stories that then get basically taken to a larger national outlet. I'm actually going to, after we do our podcast today, I'm going to subscribe to the Sunday paper because I love it when my partner and I used to live together, but we don't right now. When we did live together, his dad would come and visit, but it's a pandemic. So I haven't seen the old man in a while. And he would come and we'd make coffee and we would read the Sunday paper together in silence with the windows and doors open. And it was just like so, such a great way to start your morning. But it's information. It, it has sources that are real, real interviews with real people, real sources of information, truth, which is so hard to find these days. So hard, in fact, that I've decided even in my own space in this world, I want to be more truthful with everyone around me. No white lies, no bullshit, 
just truth. That's it. Because I'm so sick of all the bullshit. I think that's really admirable. And I think we should be more honest as a society. I mean, I remember my mom said, and I shouldn't say this, if they ever hear this, they'll both murder me. But my dad, you know, he wasn't much of a reader back in the day. And now he like obsessively reads all these things. And he just takes everything in as like fact. When in fact... A lot of the stuff you're looking at is straight up conspiracy theory bullshit. I mean, I think that I was very lucky in that in my education, I was taught how to filter out bullshit from fact. And I was taught how to use the internet and check sources and really know what is absolute truth and what is absolute bullshit. And no, I think also coming from a science background that truth will change over time. We will learn more and that will give us a greater insight into the truth. Right. What we thought once was true, we'll learn and adapt and grow. But I think a lot of people are not given that opportunity. I think the education system in this country is an embarrassment. And many people so very clearly were raised with the internet, but also not taught how to use the internet. And then there are the older folks who don't really understand that anyone can publish a website. I have so many websites that I lost track of, I'm sure. Yeah. Some of them are still floating around out there. And you can literally just create a website and put anything you want. No one can stop you. There's no, you you have to be an intelligent consumer of information. You have to cite sources and really research into something. Sometimes something will sound too good to be true. And if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So you look into that a little bit more. Right. And say, oh yeah, no, that's not actually true. Okay, oh, I'm not going to show. Get a great TV. Well, give me your social security, your name, your address, and now you're fucked. No TV coming to you. I mean, it's something that we do kind of have to train our elders in some ways and help them navigate if they weren't they're not used to the my, my grandma and I've had conversations with my grandma. Do not click on things when you're playing online bingo. Do, never put your information. Like if someone calls you and says you owe a bill, you hang up, you pay your bills. There's a lot of weird scams going on right now. And it's weird. Everybody's working from home or they're a frontline worker. And it's just, it's weird. Like an unprecedented number of people are at home. And I feel like the scams have just like gotten so much bigger. I also have to wonder if that's because a lot of people have lost their jobs and scamming is how they're making their bread. And my thing is, okay, that's fine. Scam the rich, right? Do not steal from the poor. Okay. Do not reverse Robin Hood this shit. Steal from the rich. Distribute that shit. They don't- we are encouraging hackers to steal from the rich. And yes, absolutely. You know, take the taxes that they never paid for the past 25, 30 years. Yep. There's plenty of ways that, you know, my fantasy has always been that hackers will get into the government's student loans and pay off everybody's student loans. And everything is electronic and there's nobody that's going to be like, oh, hey, guess what? I've been paying interest on this for 25 years. Um, Where'd it go? Everyone's going to be like, zip. Yep. Oh, it's gone? Cool. Not asking any questions. Now I can pay my utility bill. Honestly, if I checked my credit score and it turned out that my student loans had been completely paid off, I wouldn't question it. I wouldn't look into it. I wouldn't say a word. (laughs) I would not either. And I've been paying off those fuckers for decades i would literally just walk into a bank and be like my debt to income ratio has greatly improved and i would like a loan (laughs) 
Give me my property. Yes. It's coming. It is coming. But the weird thing is, is that I know somewhat sane people, and, and this is left, right, middle, you name it. And I get it right now. A lot of things, people are afraid. And this is on both sides. So people are afraid that freedom of speech is being taken away. This is an important topic. And I get that. Nobody wants to be censored. But when hate groups are recruiting people to do crimes against anyone, that is not freedom of speech. That is a hate group and they need to be stopped. They do not get a is uh, a lot of people are saying freedom of speech, freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is between you and your government, y'all. Okay, it's not between you and the internet. These are private companies. You agree to their terms of services. They can kick you out for whatever reason they so choose because they're not the government. They're a private company. You know how you love licking the boots of private companies? Well, this is what happens. Yeah, it's terrible. You can go out in front of your Congress people. You can stand in front of your mayor and you can tell them to go fuck themselves. And you, as long as you don't make any threats, are allowed to do that and that's protected. But you are not protected from private companies having standards of decency on what they allow published on their platform. Exactly. This is capitalism at its finest. And this is what you say that you love and want and worship. So you can't pick and choose. I mean, you can, and that's that's what's happening. But uh, I don't, I mean, I, I'm definitely a gray area person. I will listen to any side. I want to hear, I really want to understand like the mindset of people and, and, and the toxic masculinity that we tend to see right now. Like, what's going on with you, bro? What happened to you? Yeah, where's this coming from? Why so much hatred against somebody because their skin looks different than yours? They're- that's embarrassing. Honestly, to me, to find out somebody is a racist, I'm like, ooh, I'm sorry. Are you afraid of someone because their skin's a different color? How old are you? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Are you afraid of someone because they practice a different religion? Have you ever gone outside? Right. Where are you? Have you? Did you fall in a well and we just pulled you out? Like, where is this coming from? And, and are you afraid of people because they have blonde hair and you don't? It doesn't make any so I'm going to make a really unfair comparison right now, and it is really inappropriate, but I'm going to make it anyway. Well-socialized dogs don't randomly bite people of a different race or people with uh, wearing a hat or a mask. You teach dogs from a young age that people who look different aren't necessarily dangerous. And a well-socialized dog exposed to lots of different people with lots of different hairstyles and hats, faces, ethnicities, if someone with a limp, someone in a wheelchair, people on bicycles, you teach them all these things are normal and they don't attack anyone. And if you don't, they're terrified of anything that's different and they try and attack it because they're scared. And that's really what these people are they're scared and they're lashing out and it's so sad it's it's so pathetically sad that you are acting like an unsocialized dog you are acting like a creature who doesn't understand the world around them you're a human being act like it yeah i mean we could go we've and we have we've talked you know around and around and i don't want to give like in anything too much attention. But the thing is, is that a lot of the minority Congress people, they have been saying, this is going to happen. This is what the camp, if you look at that camp, he is getting people riled up 
you know, stand up and stand by or whatever the bullshit is. This should not have been a surprise to anyone. And it wasn't to a lot of the minority folks who knew this shit was going to happen. Was it shocking? Sure. Was it surprising? No, because they're white supremacists. They're violent. They have been this whole time. White supremacy is the biggest threat to this country after maybe climate change. Kind of neck and neck at this point. Yeah, but white supremacy is the basis of this country. And that's some things that we need to look at, too. Like, how do you... It's a huge threat, but it is literally... Woven into the fabric of this nation. In every fabric of our lives. And people act shocked. I have been shocked at moments. And it's like, gosh, you're dumb. I'm dumb. I've been living kind of a dumb, dumb life sometimes. I will admit to my dumb, dumbness. And I am educating myself. And I am working through things in my own little mind and world. I really feel as though there is a type of indoctrination that occurs in most American schools. I remember thinking when I was young that America was the only country that had like freedom of the press, freedom of speech. And then growing up and learning, like not only do other countries have these things, they also don't pay for healthcare and their citizens are taken care of. And when they come to visit us, they see the homeless population and they're shocked and scandalized. Why isn't your government taking care of its people? Fuck if I know. This whole time, I thought we were, like, simply the best. And here it turns out we're fucking terrible. We're mediocre at at a good day. Well, I mean, it's kind of like when you look at the peace index and you realize that we are the least peaceful. Like, we don't even make the top 100 peaceful, uh, you know, countries working towards, like, amnesty and human rights. We're in wars everywhere. We're rebel rousing. We're assholes. And we're not taking care of our people. And it's obviously like money shows you where the efforts go, you know, trillions of dollars in military, nothing to education and human rights. What does America stand for? And is that the America that the American people believe in? I don't think so. I think most American people would be like, what the fuck? I do think that a lot of people don't understand what's happening, what goes on behind the curtain. It's really not even behind the curtain. It's just behind your own idea of what you think is happening. When you really step outside your little bubble and look around, you realize, shit, we don't have it that good. I mean, I look, I mean, lately I'm just like, gosh, the homeless population, it feels like it's tripled. It has. A lot of people have lost their jobs and lost their homes because of this pandemic. And nobody's really doing anything to help. I mean, most countries have been paying their citizens. A lot of people who get COVID don't even get paid from their job when they have to take off because they're sick. And honestly, I'm as much of an asshole that if I was diagnosed with COVID and they weren't going to pay me, I'd say, well, it looks like everyone in that building is going to get COVID because I'm going to work and I will infect all of you. <laughs> in gaming to stay home because I am not going to miss my rent. I am not going to get behind on my electric. I'm not going to lose my internet because a lot of people, and this is another topic, but there are certain things that are not considered utilities and are not protected under law. And one of those things is the internet. And a lot of people work at home right now and their internet is not a protected utility. But for a lot of people, the internet or their cell phone is how they get paid. They need that technology for them to pay their bills. A lot of people pay their bills online. A lot of banking is all online now. It's like, if you don't have the internet, 
there's a lot of things that are gatekept from you. Well, kids are learning all of their education right now online. Although they do through the schools here, will give you um, like a MiFi if your parents don't have the internet, and they'll give the child, you know, the computer and the Wi-Fi, so that the child can at least get online and do. And and we still do food programs for breakfast and lunch. Even if it's like a snow day, then they have people come the day before we think snow's coming. I will say that the schools here go above and beyond in helping the community. But I also know, because I've worked with homeless youth in this area, that is very difficult. Psychological, uh, drug abuse programs, housing programs, they're three years out waitlisted. Three years that's the kind of help that people want and need. And they're on a wait list for three years, likely to die beforehand. I read something that was written by a psychologist and they said, right now and always, housing is a mental health issue because how are you going to treat someone's mental illness if they don't have a roof over their head? How are you going to treat their mental illness if they can't afford their prescriptions? How are you going to treat mental illness, if they're one missed paycheck, if you have legitimate anxiety because you're one missed paycheck away from losing your house, how are you going to treat that anxiety? Because that's a very real, based in the real world anxiety. And a lot of these mental issues or mental illnesses are really just symptoms of the failures of our society to protect its people. And it's it's people's very real fears, very real worries that are, are driving them into a depression or an anxiety or an obsessive compulsive. And, and it's, it's just the body's way of naturally protecting. I mean, there was this beautiful article that I read and I think I made you read where they talked about depression as a survival instinct, how when an animal is caught by a predator, its body will undergo a, an experience where it releases different endorphins and, and, chemicals so that they're relaxed and they don't feel as much pain. And the idea was basically that depression is that what happens when you're caught in the lion's mouth, but you don't die. You're in a situation that is causing your body to shut down, but you can't escape it. So depression comes in and shuts you down. And it's just this natural response that occurs in nature, but it's so exacerbated by our society that it's not just it goes away when the threat goes away. Well, the threat doesn't go away. Well, isn't that kind of what we're seeing? Even with this insurrection, it's fight, flight, or freeze. And depression is the freeze response. Yeah. A lot of people don't know about the, the freeze response. They know fight and flight. Freeze is more common than fight or flight. And people feel enormously guilty for that because a lot of times when people are in violent situations when they're being assaulted, they'll freeze. They can't fight back. They can't run. Right. The most common response is freeze. And we don't talk about it. We don't talk about how normal that is. And we don't talk about how that freeze response can be exacerbated into depression. And in that article I read, it gave an example of a girl who was abused by her stepdad. And anytime he saw that look in her eyes that she was, you know, ready for a fight, he'd beat the shit out of her. And she became depressed and despondent and laid in bed a lot. She wasn't looking, you know, she didn't have that look in her eyes. She wasn't, you know, looking to fight back. She just kind of disappeared. And inside of herself. And that actually saved her life. He 
stopped beating her because she wasn't fighting back. And when she was an adult, she got help and understood her depression and, and realized that it wasn't a, a bad thing. It was something that actually helped her during those times. And I think we need to really start looking at mental illness, not as an illness. It is, but we need to look at it as survival. This is the way the body is coping with extreme stresses. And we are under extreme stresses. Yeah, it's the consequences of the society that we've built. And some of this is societal. Some of this is the individual in your individual trauma within your family scapes, which a lot of trauma comes from like with my trauma, you know, some of my stuff with my mother who was very violent growing up was that she grew up in extreme poverty and a lot of violence and alcoholism. And some of that spilled into my childhood. Now, luckily I was able to understand like see the big picture. But like we've talked about before, some of that is because of the trauma. So you can kind of thank the trauma for being like an insightful and intuitive person because you can read the room of anyone that comes in because of the trauma that you had inflicted upon you. In some ways, I'm like gracious to the things that I've gone through because it's made me the person that I am. And I, I love who I am now. It doesn't mean that there's still a lot of work to be done. And that there's a lot of things about myself that debilitates my ability to move forward with things and do the things in this life that I'd like to do. And that's why I start therapy next week. So. And that is fantastic. I do think that everyone should see a therapist. I think it should be a part of your regular checkup. I think that mental health should be incorporated into health in a way that we can't do currently under our healthcare system. Because right now it's like, mm, yeah, I broke my arm, but I think I can cast it myself because I can't afford to pay $5,000. That's fucking yeah. sick. The rest of the world isn't paying for their broken arms. They're not paying $10,000 when they have a baby. They're not paying for their cancer treatment. They're not dying because they can't afford their diabetes medication. This is not the land of the free. No one is free if you are one illness away from absolute poverty. True. No one should be told that they have to die because they can't afford it. It should be part of the Hippocratic yeah. Oath, though. If you're to save lives, it's all lives, no matter how much money they have in their pocket. I'm sorry, you make enough money off of everybody that can afford to pay for this, that we should be able, and, and it's like the bleeding heart liberal or whatever. No, it's just common sense. Take care of your fucking neighbors. Take care of... Those who cannot right now because of mental illness or whatever, take care of themselves. It's what Jesus and would do. Yeah. Let's put the Christ back in uh, life here. We talked about. Let's put the Christ back in Christianity because there is a whole lot of so-called Christians who do not love thy neighbor. They not, don't turn the other cheek. They don't try and help others. They don't want to feed the poor, the hungry, the sick. They just want them out of their way. Yeah, I don't understand it. And it's funny. It's not funny. It's horrible that I actually know a person who was like, oh, look, this woman says she's pregnant on the side of the road. She's homeless asking for money. I'm like, you know, it takes a lot to ask somebody for something. I don't care what you're saying. And who cares if they're just doing drugs in the forest or whatever, and they got that $20 so that they could get through another day. Fuck you for judging them. Fuck you for thinking you're better because you're driving an overpriced vehicle, buying overpriced things and, and, and living this materialistic life that it's so hard for you to come off two fucking dollars for a, a homeless person. 
Fuck you. You know what? While we're talking about overpriced nonsense and how our society is lying, we have created this world where we think we're not poor because the things that we buy are manufactured with slave labor. And that's how they're affordable. They're affordable because there's exploitation of people, of the environment, often child labor. And I was just talking about this because I love Tony's chocolate and they are all about getting rid of slavery in the chocolate industry. And I would rather pay like a dollar more for chocolate that is made in sustainable environmental fashion that does not use child labor, that does not use slave labor, that everyone who is a part of making that chocolate bar gets paid a living wage. I would rather buy less chocolate and pay a little bit more for it than get a cheap chocolate bar and participate in a system that enslaves children. And I don't think people realize that most of their clothes are made in sweatshops. And when you really break it down, if you think about it, if you have to use sweatshops, if you have to use slave labor, if you have to use forced prison labor to be able to afford clothing, food, medicine, you're poor. Because if you took out the suffering the human cost out of the equation and you wouldn't be able to afford food that's produced sustainably or clothes that were made by an artisan instead of a sweatshop, you're poor. And people don't want to see that they're poor. They don't want to see that their purchases are contributing to human suffering, but they are. And they are because you're poor. And the richest rich people are making tons of profit off of human rights violation. Meanwhile, you are just trying to get by, which is why, and we've talked about buying secondhand is the way to go, especially with clothing. If you don't want to pay out the ass for a really nice piece of clothing that comes from somewhere that's not a sweatshop, well, secondhand. Secondhand is awesome. Consignment is awesome because you'll find things with the tag still on it. Somebody bought it, and, and I'm not saying that because I am very guilty of everything. I have kids. I have a budget. I, I've done the swing through Target or whatever to get certain. Yeah. Right. Like, we're not saying that, but we're just saying like, and you've, you've taught me this. It's something that I've been working on this year. It's not like I did a formal resolution, but it was through our conversation, probably a podcast that was recorded and not edited, <laughs> that we are going That you try and you do this, you actually live by your word and it's very admirable. And it's something that I'm trying to do in my own life because I know better about a lot of things. And so implementing things in my life, which is easy to do, it's just when you go to purchase something or when you go to eat something, did it cause suffering? Yeah. And it's just a question to ask yourself, did this cause suffering? And guess what? You're going to probably be thinner look better, feel better, and live life a little better because you're not contributing to suffering. And that does go into your consciousness. If you're an aware human being, you know better, but it's just hard. And you make the excuse and everyone else is doing this. So it's okay. And I'm just going to be, I'm okay. I, I'm, I do, I recycle. I, I buy some things secondhand. You know, but then I swung through whereverville and I bought this heinous stuff because it was quick and easy and I just, I needed to get by. And it's hard. And I'm not here to judge anyone for their choices. Everyone is just doing their best. I'm just asking people to really, when they talk about things like we have Easter coming up, 
which we can do a whole thing about the history of Easter and how it's actually a pagan holiday. And they didn't even try to hide that one by uh, changing the name or anything. But they they have the, the Lenten holiday before Easter where people give something up. And it's usually something that they already want to get rid of. Like, I want to lose weight, so I'm going to cut out sugar. Or I am going to cut out candy or i'm going to cut out chocolate how about instead of that you cut out slavery chocolate you can still eat chocolate but not if it causes suffering how about instead of saying i'm gonna eat less sugar you take the money you would have spent on sugary treats and you invest in buying higher quality local produce you can still do those things but if you're more mindful about it you can really create a better habit for yourself and it shouldn't just be like well i'm gonna do this just for then and then i'm gonna go back to you know buying plastic water bottles or right whatever like just take one thing at a one thing at a time you can do it for a long time the thing that i did to help amp myself back up for this because it takes a lot for me like mentally emotionally physically to to, to follow through with things i won't lie it's difficult i watched again for the second time and i might even watch it a third time it's on netflix and it's called minimalism and it's all about how like these guys were they came from poverty so it was like i gotta work really hard to have to have these things and then i'll be happy Well, now I need a a more expensive paying job and then I'll be happy. Well, when I make this much money, I'm going to be happy, you know, and if I have these many things, I will be happy. And so then the one guy decided to cut anything out of his life of excess, which we all can go through and and find things that we have too much of. And I'm not going to purchase things anymore based on my neighbors or, you know, kids requests or this, this and that. I'm going to base my things on, is it enriching my life to purchase this thing? And I will buy it of quality and it will last a long time because it's made by a local artisan or it's, it's someone put a lot of time and effort into it. So the things that he does have, it's not like he doesn't have anything anymore through this minimalism. It's that he purchases things that bring joy to his life that do not cause suffering. And he actually lives a more full life because he doesn't have he doesn't live for things anymore. And that's, I think, a beautiful goal to get to. And and I have been trying to eliminate plastic from my life. And it's very difficult. If I look around me, I can find, you know, like five things that are made out of plastic within arm's reach. But I'm taking it one room at a time. And the first room that I did was the bathroom. And I have eliminated plastic from my soaps. I use bar shampoo. I have eliminated it from uh, my toothpaste, all of that. And so I just took it one step at a time. Let's get rid of plastic in the bathroom. And eventually I'm going to move on to, okay, let's get rid of plastic in the kitchen. And I just want to take that idea of uh, it doesn't have to be all at once. Let's just step by step, get rid of plastic where you can. And I mean, there are some places I make exceptions for like medical equipment. If it's something that's medically necessary, I make an exception for that because when it comes right down to it, if you are taken to a hospital, they're going to hook you up with a bunch of machinery tubes. It's all made of plastic and it's all going to get thrown into medical waste. There's nothing you can do about that when it's about survival. So if it's a legitimate health need, I'll make an exception. Like the bottle of pills that I have to take for my migraines is plastic. What the fuck else am I going to do? They don't make migraine medicine that comes in a cardboard container. So that's an exception. We can only do as much as we can. The rest 
test has to be on the corporations that have the money to do better. They have the money to make plant plastic, hemp plastic. They could do it. I can't force them to do it. I mean, that's kind of where we get into legislation. We could ask Congress to pass laws limiting how much plastic we could use. We could start moving towards plastic free by a certain a certain date or or we could eliminate I know there's a lot of plastic bag bans that have been going on Oregon has gone completely plastic free uh, plastic bags Oregon is completely plastic bag free I think a hundred countries have eliminated plastic bags so it's things like that where we can push for our legislature to be more sustainable where individually we cannot I cannot buy medicine sustainably. It's impossible right now, but it doesn't have to be that way forever. The other thing that I would really like to say is that sometimes it sounds like, um, you know, like this is the way that, you know, life could be perfect. Life's never going to be perfect. We're always going to have things that we need to work on and struggle through. But one thing that I would like to understand more is how to bring the far right and the far left together. We need people to I have one thing that could unite the right and the left, and it's not going to be pretty. I need to hear that. They need a common enemy, and that enemy is the rich. The rural poor and the poor in the city are the same poor. And right now we have this hatred towards the poor that even poor people have. And it's it's how dare they not have to pay for their medication by being poor when I work three jobs and I have to pay for medication Well, it sounds like your problem isn't with the poor person. It sounds like your problem is with your own income because you're also poor. You're just a different kind of poor. So instead of pitting the poor against the poor, which they're really good at doing and people fucking fall for it, your enemy isn't each other. Your enemy is the one who's making money off of your suffering. Come together. Get the guillotine ready. I like that. I mean, it's true. And and I think it's, it's, it's interesting because I've seen with the far right side, it's like, they'll be living. I mean, my neighbor, they live on Medicaid. They're not very um, educated. They hate when people don't pay their taxes. They don't have jobs. They're not paying their taxes. They live on disability and they don't work. So they hate themselves. You know, and I just don't understand that mindset. It's a very proud, you know, I don't take no help from nobody. The mindset is that they're not poor. They're just disenfranchised future rich people. They genuinely believe that they're not really poor. They just had a bad hand dealt to them. And, you know, things will get better. And maybe one day they'll be rich again or rich for the first time. But They have this mentality that like, I'm not really poor. No, it's just the circumstances. I'm not really poor, but you are. When you look at what's really going on and you accept where you're at, that is how you can take steps to make it better. But if you deny what's happening, you deny reality, you're going to be stuck. I think there's so much denial of reality right now. And maybe I'm in denial of reality too. I mean, in some ways, isn't that how we all survive? Uh, I just would love... Somehow, and I, and I do have faith in, and I'm very hopeful that all of these things do happen um, for a reason and that we could get closer to a place where people fight against the true enemy, which I do believe is the greed. If you, if you actually went back to the lessons of Christ, like we had talked in the episode that got totally demolished a little bit or is only in the dough phase, as we discussed, is that, you know, if you're a Christian, like right side Republicans, 
say they are, then you should be the number one advocates of feeding the poor, of taking from the wealthy, of, you know, and, and redistributing that wealth because Christ was a huge proponent of that. By the way, Christ also walked the earth with everyone that nobody wanted to hang out with. The lepers, sinners, yes. everybody, he, he turned no man, woman, child away. That's a mindset that isn't happening on the Christian right side. I don't understand it. It's like a pick and choose. It really disappoints me because the teachings of Christ are so kind and humble and compassionate and absolutely everything that we need to be in this society. We need to be fighting greed. We need to be taking care of the sick and the poor. And that is everything that Jesus stood for. And it makes me fucking angry that the people who dare to call themselves Christians do not act like Christ. They act like the complete opposite. How is that okay? I don't even call myself a Christian. I am not. I have different religious, spiritual views, but I still respect Christ in his teachings, because I think that's what we need. And somehow you made an entire religion around the guy and cut out everything good about it. Or everything it stood for. If you believe, just call it something new. Just say, you know what? That Christ guy sounds like a liberal hippie. We don't want him anymore. Let's go for like Adolf Hitler or whoever the fuck is most aligned with your psychotic viewpoints about killing anybody that doesn't look just like you or whatever bullshit in the name of Christianity. It's not Christianity. Just say what it is. Stop lying. So I'm going to go way out of left field here, way out of left field, go completely off the rails. Um, and I think I mentioned this in the dough. There is this idea in certain sects that the First Testament wasn't the same God as in the Second Testament, that there are multiple gods, and that the benevolent, loving, kind God is not the same God as the first book who was drowning people and causing miscarriages and making, you know, like telling someone to kill their kid. Oh, just kidding. I just wanted to see if he would do it. That that was actually a trickster God. There are many trickster gods in many religions and spiritualities. And I genuinely don't, they, I can't reconcile those two vastly different gods with each other. I don't think that that's the same God. I'd have to agree with you because honestly it was like sacrifice your firstborn son. Okay. Because you know, you and I grew up in the yep. Catholic faith, which is so interesting. So, and it was like great stories. Like I was fascinated. Like, oh, great stories. The worst part about the great stories is that when I was little, my mom was telling me fairy tales out of one book and Christian stories out of another book. And I just thought they were fairy tales. I never took it seriously because it was so bizarre. Like we're going to drown the whole world. Yeah. That sounds like a fairy tale. Yeah. Or I'm going to one dude and woman talking to a snake. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a fairy tale. Yeah. Or an allegory to teach people something or to control them in a certain way. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I loved poetry and I got it when I was a kid. Like someone would read a poem and I'm like, that's about this. And they're like, damn, how does this seven-year-old know what a fucking Edgar Allan Poe is about? Poem. And I mean, there is a little darkness in me. So maybe that's why I understood it. You know what? That's a good thing. So... When I would hear things, I'm like, y'all are missing this. This is some like 
poetry shit. Like someone was trying to tell us something in between the lines of the story, you know, and it was their story or it was the political people in charge trying to control the masses through a certain amount of propaganda. At the time, the only propaganda was the Bible. You only had one story. I do really think that it's a beautiful tapestry of stories. And I think that people would get a more enriching experience out of it if they read it as stories and not literal truth. Because literal truth doesn't make sense. It was never supposed to be literal truth. It doesn't make sense. No. But there are people who are like looking for Noah's art. And I'm like, bruh, did you read it? Yeah, it's, it's wild. It's the quest for truth. Life right now is you're sifting through so much garbage it is the quest for absolute truth. And I think that's what religions ultimately were supposed to be. It was supposed to be about finding the truth and getting as close to the truth as possible. Because I do think in truth, there is divinity. And I think that's bringing it back to being more honest in our lives. It's how we can be better people and be closer to the divine is, is to just speak the truth, especially when it's uncomfortable or unpopular. And I think that in the best light religions are a search for the truth in their best moments it is talking about the truths that we all experience the truth of the universe and that's really what everybody wants they want to know what happens when they die they want to know the truth of how everything works and you can't just be given that a lot of people just they they buy into a specific religion and everything that they're told they just swallow it down as opposed to sifting through it and looking for the truth and i think when you just buy into it you miss that spiritual journey, that opportunity for growth and true discovery of yourself and the truth. And I think you're right, because for me, the the spiritual has always been a journey. And it started when I was very young with Bible stories, which I was grateful for. But I even then would like be like, well, Christ, Christ was like going up against the church at a very young age and questioning things. I think I should question things just like Christ. And, you know, and then it turned into, you know, then I went to a different religion and I'm like, this is still like the same religion, only a little bit different, but I like the mind over matter aspect because I do think that we have so much convoluted around us and that we really don't tap into our abilities that we have within ourselves. And, and as I've gone on this journey, it is twisted and turned. And now it's more of like a pagan witchcraft, wildly open Buddhist Zen experience. That's similar to self. And that's so interesting because I feel like I've had such a similar experience and I've gotten to such a similar place. We talk about this all the time about how we have really similar, super out there beliefs. Like we believe in some weird, crazy shit that nobody taught us. And it was at a really young age that I started questioning things, like really young, six, seven, crazy young that I started questioning things. And I remember questioning things in the church. And I remember getting yelled at for talking during church. And I remember wanting to know more and wanting to explore different religions from a very young age. And I've always had that like that search for the truth. And I've always felt that the truth is not found in one religion. It's found in all of them. A little truth is sprinkled throughout all of them. And the more you learn, the more of that truth you can get to, the more you can harness. Yeah, absolutely. To see the whole picture. But it's weird because we did not grow up like together. <laughs> like We did not even grow up no. in the same generation. But... No, we, you know, it, it, it's, it is bizarre. It's bizarre. And even when I first met you and we talked about this, there was a little bit about me that I was like, I can't meet her yet because she's going to think I'm so fucking weird. Or what if she's a Republican? Or what if I have the same thought? 
I'm like, I am a very specific type of person and I'm an acquired taste to some folks. And it's interesting because some people meet me and they love me immediately. And some people are like, oh, and then some people, it, it really is like an acquired taste. Like they, they get to know me slowly and they, they start to like what they see. So I never really put too much thought into what you guys would be like until it was like right there. And then I was like, oh shit, what if we have nothing in common? And then I was like, oh, okay, you know, at least I know. I always said though, and it's almost like it was like witchcraft though, because in my like letter to your parents that I wrote, and then in my mind when I gave birth, I'm like, if she has an ounce of me in her, she will find me and it will be good. You know, and it was like something so simple a 16 year old would think of, but it was like my like, if you're an ounce of me, we will find each other. Because before that, there was no Facebook when I was growing up and there was no internet. I gave birth to you. There weren't even cell phones. So like the idea of finding you was kind of like, holy shit, this could be an adventure. Yeah. And I really do think no matter what, we would have found each other. I do think that we were meant to. I, I think this whole journey has been really everything happened for such a specific reason. Like my dad meeting the people that he had to meet so that my family would be able to adopt me. Everything happened in such like a divine. It was very divine. Yeah. It was planned, like very, this happened and then that happened. And then this happened and that, like it all was working like a cog in a machine. Like it was just supposed to be. Yeah. And I've always had that feeling. So I've never felt weird about being adopted until I was like older. And I'm like, whoa, look, trauma. Wow. Didn't realize I had that because it was such a spiritual experience. And it was such a positive experience for me that I kind of overlooked all the the dark shit that also came with it. Right. Because I was like riding high on this mystical divine shit. Yeah. Well, and I kind of wrote on this like, so you were my story for a long time when I was young. You know, I'd go to college and if I was going to get close to a girlfriend, I'd be like, okay, well, I got to tell you something. This defines who I am. And then that changed, but it was me trying to work through that side of the trauma, not yeah. totally understanding what that even meant. But I it was something that did define me and still does in some ways, I guess. But this has been like amazing to like actually get to know you and be a part of your life and to actually know that we're both so fucking crazy and wacky. I know, I love it. <laughs> it's like there's someone else that thinks the same weird shit I do. I'm not alone. And that really did make me enormously happy. I have always been sort of, like I said in another podcast, I have been a round peg in a square hole. I haven't quite fit in. And then I met you and I was like, oh, fuck. Look at that. Well, that's nice and I'm sorry in advance if there's anything weird about it. Well, but... <laughs> And then the other aspect was my mom and her insecurities when we met because it was like, oh, shit, these two have a lot in common. And she was really threatened by that because my mom and I are very different people and honestly haven't been. We were very close when I was young, but then I started getting real opinionated and questioning things and adolescence are awful. And we weren't as close and we haven't been super close until like the past couple of years, honestly. And I think she was really super intimidated and very threatened by our relationship and uh kind of threw the brakes on some of that it was weird it's uncomfortable the teenage years are difficult because your child is trying to define who they are and some of that is pushing away from you and and testing is that 
my theology or is that what I was branded with at birth, you know, kind of thing. And so I even see that with my 18 year old daughter, whom I'm very close with, but also have extreme moments of, you know, like I know in 10 years, it's going to look different. But like right now, these are things we have to go through because it's just normal when two human beings live in the same house all the time. And we always say that like this podcast couldn't happen if we were no. living in the same house and experiencing like those things together because no. it, it just wouldn't have it just wouldn't have worked. And I think that is why our relationship is so special because it had to happen organically and it had to happen apart. Whereas if we live together, if I grew up with you, it, it wouldn't look the same. It wouldn't be the same. No. We wouldn't have the same experiences. And, and it wouldn't be like, oh, this is so bizarre that you also think this and I think that because if you're raised with someone, you're going to have similar beliefs. But when you're completely separated, 100% for 19 years. Yeah. And then you come back together and holy shit, we're really similar. That's, that's special. Yeah. That's something most people don't have. Right. And it's been 10 years. Yeah, that's right. It has been 10 years, nearly to the day. Yeah. January-ish. Yeah, January-ish. it was January-ish. Happy 10-year anniversary. <laughs> Happy 10-year anniversary. <laughs> so bizarre it is but i mean and then we're working it's very easy though this 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 is very easy like our relationship's very easy you don't get mad at me for the things that a lot of people get mad at me about you know i totally understand it because a lot of the things that you do i also do so it's like i get where you're coming from and i know what you're talking about i do i know what you're talking about what people get mad at you for because people get mad at me for that too I'm like, I don't want to be a dick. It's just, this is who I am. And I'm trying to understand. Life is hard. Yeah. And I try not to make it harder for people by being mad at them for things that they can't control. Yeah. Am I perfect at that? No. Sometimes I have moments, but I really try to keep that shit to myself, work through it on my own, realize that it's my own insecurities, and then undo all that before I take it to another human being doesn't always work especially when you live with someone I think Alex gets the worst of my personality because he's right there and whenever I have some sort of insecurity or frustration and I'm trying to work it out he's right there so some of that leaks onto him he's your workout buddy your mental workout buddy I think that's kind of what a spouse is though in a lot of ways because they can they can do the heavy lifting with you and they can handle it they love you yeah. And I think a lot of people can get a little abusive that way because they think their spouse loves them unconditionally and they can handle anything. So they put a lot on them without checking in to see if it's okay first. That energy that you put out into the world, be it positive or negative, really does travel. And you really, I mean, sometimes I want to scream and tell people to go fuck themselves. And you got to be careful with that. You could really hurt somebody. And then at the same point, I had a Tai Chi instructor who would smile at people and wave at people and he would put positivity. And he actually said that um, he would he would just smile at random people that he'd see and, and wave at people and just be really nice. And someone actually came up to them and said, I saw you once before. You smiled and waved at me. I was thinking about killing myself. I didn't do it. You never know. Well, it's because my mom and all of her things in life, she would say to me, I can tell that when you walk into a store, like she'd be go run into the store for me. She'd be sitting in the car. Yeah. And she would say, I know that when you're walking in the store that you're smiling at people because as they're, they're passing you, 
they start to smile. And it's like, not the fake smile, because sometimes I can't even conjure a fucking smile. And so not that one where I'm like, uh, like my lips like slightly move. But when I'm genuinely like, hey, how are you? I hope you're having a good day. That is not something we can always conjure up. But when we do, it does make a difference. And I do think it has a lot to do with the things we've talked about before, that energy, when you can connect to your primal energy, the golden light, you can really see things in a more positive way than if you're trapped in a circumstance where you don't have that in your life anymore. It's really hard for me to fake emotion in general. I can fake the voice. I can't fake the face. If I'm feeling something, it's on the face. I mean, I'm kind of like that open book too, where I wear my heart on my sleeve. And sometimes just smiling while I talk to people on the phone will change my attitude. But it was Eckhart Tolle who did this whole, and I might be saying his name wrong, thing about the energy body and how like a innate, like, you know, the energy comes in and the mother and the father fight and then the baby or the young child sees that and then they go to their brother and they punch them. And then that little boy is out on the playground and it's, it's an energy field that does transfer. And I do watch it and I try to be very mindful and careful because I've seen it zoom through my house and I'm like, Oh shit, how do we get rid of this shit? And then I also see the opposite, though, where, like, last night, my kids are like, I'm like, why are they in the room with me? Like, they're in my room, hanging out, talking to me, and I'm, like, kind of having this warm, glowy feeling, and I'm like, how is this happening? Can I make it happen all the time? I don't understand what I did, but whatever it was. It's really interesting because I see it. I see it with the horses. I see it in dogs. I see it in all wild places. I've seen it in deer. You can see one emotion travel through a group especially in herd or pack animals and we really are a herd or pack animal see it in birds i see it in crows one of them is happy doing a happy dance and the rest of them kind of fall in line one of them starts pecking on the other and they start pecking each other it's just that energy really is contagious and we really do need to be careful of how we how we spread that energy and i do really feel like sometimes on this podcast we can get a little dark and a little negative I always want to try and bring it back to that happy positive. It's cathartic and it's good to get it out because then I don't have to vomit it all over people that I don't really need to have vomited on. But I do think we do need to be careful about how much we put out there that's just like doom and gloom. And it's hard because the world is really tough right now. Well, it's part of that collective consciousness thing. And I do think that it's important to try to like raise your vibration, whether that's through your yoga, stretching, meditation, going to church, feeding the homeless, whatever it is that kind of like feeds your soul, then do more of that to help elevate everyone. If you can't do it for yourself, which is my issue sometimes, and that's why I'm in therapy, is like, let's do it for my dog, my kids, my spouse, my neighbor, whatever it is that I can be doing for myself is also echoing out to others. If that's issue for somebody do one thing that makes you feel good that makes you feel better about the world cut out plastic cut out slave chocolate do something try it this is icu